Okay. I'd like to welcome everyone now. Are we all in here? Am I coming through? Uh, welcome especially our visitors. And I wanted to say if I look familiar, I'm the guy that was up here with a guitar just a bit ago. Uh, but again, happy Father's Day to all you dads. The title of my message today is The Influence of, of a Father, and I like, I, like, um, I like to throw godly in there because the influence of a godly father. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be pulling some experience uh, some of my past experience as a son to um, to my father. I have a wonderful father. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to spend some time um, talking about what things I've learned from him. But we we find ourselves living in a time in society when when fatherhood is kind of devalued. I feel like at, at the very least, it's lost its shine. And at the very worst, man, it's way off the rails. And that's not good. And I'd like to also like to er- say early on, there's, there's no such thing as a perfect earth, you know, earthly father. We all probably in some ways, we have issues from our fathers, some of us much more and much deeper than others. Um, so I recognize that, but what I'd like to do is talk to, especially a lot of us young dads here, and just kind of look at some ideas, some challenges for us. But Hollywood portrays dads today, as I describe it, as a, a dad, he is a, he's a beer gut having, blubbering buffoon. And you know, he's just kind of, he's there sitting in the background of the picture, maybe muttering to himself, snacking on something unhealthy. And I was thinking about this. I was like, well, maybe this is partly our fault as dads. Like, we're far from perfect. We tend to have issues. You know, we, we tend to be preoccupied sometimes. We can, we can tend to be lazy, maybe. Sometimes we procrastinate. Now, if there are dads out there that thought, nope, none of those apply to me, just relax. I'm sure you have your own issues. Because we all do. And men can be difficult to understand. So this one's for the ladies. Like, for instance, maybe a man might mean something totally different from what comes out of his mouth. And I've brought some examples. And it's called when a, when a man says versus what he means. So here we go. When a man says it would take too long to explain, what he really means is I have no idea how it works. Okay? When a man says, that's interesting, dear, what he really means is, are you still talking? <laughs> when a man says it's a guy thing, what he's really saying is there's no rational thought pattern connected with this, and you have no chance at all of making it logical. 
There's some truth to these, isn't there? When a man says I can't find it, what he really means is it didn't fall into my outstretched hand and I'm completely lost. Or when a man says, you look terrific, what he's really saying is, please don't try on one more outfit. We're already late and I'm starving. And here's my favorite one. When a man says, that's not what I meant, what he means is, if something I said can be interpreted two ways, and one of them makes you either angry or sad, I meant the other one. Right? So that's some fun. You know, with as I was studying, studying for this, looking at kind of our history, where maybe our society is now, with, with the rise of, say, the feminist movement, and really this goes back to the starting in the 60s, maybe even before, single motherhood has kind of become glorified, and the importance of fathers in a home has suffered. Now, I recognize that's probably, like here locally in our community, we're we're somewhat sheltered from that. Um, but it's happened, and I'm not, I'm not here to trash feminism. I'm not here to promote masculinity. I'm saying when children are involved, both roles are unbelievably important. And it's not a competition between the two roles. In fact, when I think when in a properly functioning marriage the way it's designed uh, the combination of the masculinity and the, the feminine role are probably the best image we have of the character of God because we're both made after made um, in the image of God I'd like also to say early on here today I know I'm, I'm speaking broadly, okay? Um, I know there, there are exceptions to the rule. I know people that have come from broken homes who are thriving, but that can be an unbelievably hard road to travel. Like children, children with a healthy father and mother and that relationship just have, we could call it an advantage, or they have... They have, they have something good pushing them. Now, if, if you're not convinced of the importance of a father, I'd like to show you some statistics. And these are just a couple that I, that I pulled out. Um, and as a nation, these have gone way up since the 60s. I mean, most of these have tripled and quadrupled even. But listen to this, and these, these are statistics of the United States. 63% of youth suicides come from fatherless homes. So 63%. 90% of all homeless and runaway children come from fatherless homes. 85% of all children who show behavior disorder come from fatherless homes. And these numbers aren't just like a lot. A lot of these numbers are like, that's most. That's most of the children. 
71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 85% of youth in prisons grow up in fatherless homes. And these are some of the obstacles that children that don't have a fatherless homes will will have to face. Fatherless boys and girls are twice as likely to drop out of high school. They're twice as likely to end up in jail. And they're four times more likely to need help for behavior or emotional problems. So that's, when I read that, I thought, man, that's, that's shocking, but it's really not that surprising, you know? But dads are important. Moms, moms are important, but today's Father's Day. Dads are important. And I'd like to look at three different kind of Bible stories today And I'm not going to dig into them much. I just want to look at them kind of on the surface and pick out one point of something that was either um, an attitude or a mindset of uh, the people in the stories. And those stories are, first one's a parable of the prodigal son. Second one is Abraham and Isaac, uh, the sacrifice. Third one is the Apostle Paul and Timothy. And again, we're going we're gonna to run through these quick and, and look at them broadly. The parable of the, fa- of the prodigal son. Now, I'm not even going to turn there, but I'll sum the story up for you. And we're not even looking at the whole story. I'm looking at the father, really more so the young son or the lost one. There's an older brother too, but there's a father. He has two sons, an older son and a younger son. The younger son sometime when he's of a certain age, takes his inheritance from his father. He runs away. He wastes all his money, blows it all, having fun. When the money's gone and the party's over, now he has a job feeding pigs, and life is unbelievably rough. He hits rock bottom, and then he remembers home. And he wonders if dad would take him back as a servant. He decides it's worth a try. He goes home. Dad sees him coming, comes running with open arms. Is unbelievably excited to see him. You know, he kills a fatted calf. They celebrate his return. Now, I know that's not the whole parable. There's an older son. We're not going there. The point I'd like to look at here is the father loved his son not because of what he did, but because of who he was, because he was his son. And really, I know this parable probably has a lot of different levels and a lot of different meanings, but I think that's the gist of it. Christ was illustrating God's love for us as his children. Now, I'm going to share a little bit on this about my father. And I said it before, but I have a wonderful father. I've, I recognize that uh, he wasn't perfect, still isn't. Uh, but I'd like to share a little bit about my experience as his son today. So roughly 15 years ago, I was 19 years old. Now you can do the math there. It makes me 34. But I started doing things... Uh, that my parents didn't approve of. 
Okay, I started getting into things that I was taught not to. Um, and really what was going on is I was, in a sense, I guess, rebelling, not so much against my parents, but kind of against God, and certainly against Christianity as I understood it at the time, or religion. Okay, and some of, some of you older parents will probably understand this better, but I was starting to live a life that reflected poorly on my parents. I was following a path different from the one they would have preferred for their son and different from the one they tried to teach me to follow. And so this was when I was 19. One night, I got home, probably late. I have no idea what I was doing. And Dad was waiting up for me. So I thought, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. And up, up until now, in my childhood life, it was... I guess it was expected of us kids that, you know, you get, you get dad or mom's approval before you go do something. Like, you, you get permission. And I was at a point where maybe I would lie about what I wanted to go do or I would just go do it. So, late one night, dad's waiting up. And here's what he said to me. And I wish, I wish I could remember more exact, but it went something like this. He said, Tim, I want you to know that Mom and I support you no matter what you do. Okay. He said, you're a man now and you, you'll make your own decisions. We're here if you want advice, but I don't expect you to come to us for approval anymore. He said, you have our approval, not because of what you do or don't do, but because you're our son. And at the time, I thought, well, that was at least better than being scolded. But I never forgot that. You know, that, that never left me. No, no amount of fun could make that go away. And it hasn't to this day. And to you dads, man, I, I can't describe what your child hearing that can do for them. To know that they have dad's approval and that can't change because, because, of who, because of who I am. But not only did my father say this to me, he lived it. And over the next years, handful of years, maybe more, uh, as I came and went, not once was I judged Not once did I feel judged. Not once did he try to straighten me out. Um, He just accepted me because I was his son. And that's the kind of dad I want to be. Now, I wouldn't maybe caution against that approach of parenting at a young age. Children at a young age tend, man, if you just let them go, good luck, but you know, there comes a time. And when I was studying for this message, I called Dad. And so I was thinking about this, and I, I thanked him for doing that because I know, the, I know the impact it had on my life. And I asked him if he remembers doing that. And he said, well, he remembers that that's the way that they felt. And I said, why did you do that? And... Because it really, it really was, it was the idea, the principle in the prodigal son story. 
And he told me a couple things that were interesting. I said, why did you do that? And he said, well, that's how God the Father loves me, so that's how I ought to love my children. You know, that, that's a deep level of faith if you really think about it. He said it was something mom and I talked about and it's what we decided to do. So it was a decision they made and it didn't come natural. And he said it was a decision that came at a cost. I think in his words, it required them to sacrifice their pride. So it required them to lay down what they wanted for me as their son. And I'd like to look at that idea of, of sacrificing a little bit. That's our second story this morning. That's the story of Abraham and Isaac and the sacrifice. I'm going I'm to read from Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 to 12. This is the story. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young sons with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took his knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything for him. Here's what I want to look at. The way it looks, this is God talking. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. So that's the idea of sacrifice when he especially with children, do you, do you think sacrificing Isaac on that altar was the dream that Abraham had for his son, his only son, his precious son, his son that was a long time coming? But I think Abraham probably had a good concept, and he understood that that's not mine, that child is God's, because of how he came about. You know? But Abraham didn't hang on to Isaac. He recognized that he belonged to God. He sacrificed what he wanted for his child and said, God, he's yours. And I believe we do well to recognize that really our children don't belong to us. Like, they belong to God. 
And God can change people's hearts. We can't necessarily change our children's hearts, but God can. You know, they're a gift. Children are a gift. We teach and we train them as well as we can when they're young. But we're really, we're raising them for God. We're not raising them for ourselves and what makes us look or feel like good parents. Now I'd like to look at the story of the Apostle Paul and Timothy. This is in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 to 15. Now, Paul, Paul wasn't Timothy's biological father. Okay, we all know that. He was more of, more of a mentor role. Um, but listen to what Paul said when he's talking about Timothy. In Philippians chapter 2, he says, he's talking to someone else about Timothy. He says, but you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. So while he wasn't an actual son, Paul filled a father role in Timothy's life. So I'd like to look a little bit at this yet and see what we can get out of here. Um, I'm going to read 2 Timothy chapter 3, 10 to 15. And this is now Paul talking to Timothy, okay? He says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. That's a deep level of faith, too. That everything that Paul went through up to this point, he was saying, God rescued me. That's God. That's not me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. There's a lot in here, too. I realize that, but I'd want to look at verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it. And what's, what's Paul saying? Like it almost sounds kind of maybe overly confident or something, but he's saying, watch me and do as I do. How many of us dads feel comfortable doing that, saying that? You know, and the point, the point in this story is something like, you know, strive, strive to be the person you're trying to teach your child to be. Because that tends to be how you are is how your children will, will tend to be. And that's not easy. You know, it's not easy partly because we have shortcomings and we have issues. It's not easy partly because you can't fool your children. You know, they know us, and they're with us when we're at our worst. And while teaching 
our children is important, what influences them the most is what we show them. It's what we live out, and it's what, it's what we are. You know, I remember my daughter Jane, when she was young, she was our first kid, so you're trying to teach her, teach her all these things, and you try to teach them to make animal noises. And one of the first one of the first signs I saw that she's actually learning something was at a young age, she'd get her hands on her phone and it would go up to her ear. And it's like, we didn't try to teach her that. You know, she just picked it up from watching us. So whether what we do is good or bad, whether it's kind or spiteful, whether it's carnal or spiritual, our children are watching us and they're learning how to be. So I'd like to bless all you fathers uh, and especially encourage us young dads. We've got a lot of young dads here. Um, to be present with our, with our kids. You know, it's our job to enter their world, not their job to enter ours. So be present when we're with them. Let's be aware um, of all the teachable moments and fill them with God's word and the truth. Uh, I'd like to thank you all for your attention, and if you'll let me, I'd like to end the sermon by playing a song for you. Okay? Um, and Jenna's going to come help me with this one. Jenna, you can come on up. <laughs>